Welcome to Rock Talk, the show where a couple of jabronis get to know the movie roles of Dwayne The Rock Johnson. I'm Jordan Rummel, joined as always by my good friend and co-host, Charlie Guile. Charlie, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Uh, It's episode 10. Mm -hmm. We're in the double digits, man. Did you ever think we'd get here? I did not think we would get here. To be frank, I thought we might end up watching the Fast and Furious movies and then throwing in the towel. (laughs) Just over and over. (laughs) We're pretty much just doing what we usually do. Uh, yeah. So I, yeah, this is actually, uh, it's pretty crazy that we've we've reached the the ten the tenth movie mark. So if you're listening and you if you stuck with us or if you're a new listener, thanks for supporting Rock Talk. It's uh, it's pretty cool, and we're gonna keep doing this all the way through, whether you like it or not. Um, it's our duty, our sworn duty. Someone's got to do it, uh, and that means uh, watching movies like Baywatch. This summer's 2017 popcorn comedy action sort of throwback starring Dwayne Johnson and Zac Efron. This movie is a lot of weird, and we're going to get into that soon. But first, we're going to take a look at the rock news of the week. So the first item of news that we have is an Instagram video that Dwayne Johnson posted. He found out about this boy who saved his sister's life using CPR that he learned from Dwayne Johnson's movie San Andreas. So... The Rock found out about this and is very excited about it. And so he flew him and his family to meet him on the set of Skyscraper. So this is is amazing. Yeah. Literally, Dwayne Johnson movies are saving lives. Oh, my God. So our job here (laughs) is more important than ever. Yeah. um, We are. We're absolutely a part of that. I'd have to say. I mean, we are. If if Dwayne Johnson is saving lives, we're writing the gospel. (laughs) More or less. I I mean, super cool. I don't think I ever would have learned CPR or the proper way to do CPR from a movie. I would say, especially given that we watch Baywatch, a movie which you might think feature would feature a ton of CPR. uh, There's maybe two scenes. And I tell you right now, I I do not feel confident in my ability to go save someone's life using it uh, after watching uh, this film. No, if someone was going to die and I had to give them CPR to save their life, that person's, well, they're already dead. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to be, I I just don't have that kind of faith in myself. Just another reason that you hate the beach. <laughs> yeah, uh, we'll get into it when we talk about the movie, but I'm not really a beach person, so a lot of this was odd to me. <laughs> The second piece of news that we have is that Dwayne Johnson donated $25,000 to Hurricane Harvey relief. Um, He announced it in an Instagram video. I think Kevin Hart like challenged him in another video to donate $25,000. And what Dwayne Johnson did, he said, hey, I'm donating the money, but I'm not nominating anyone else to do this because they should already be doing it. So that was pretty cool. Yeah. And if you haven't seen this video, it's definitely worth a watch. It's real quick, but... I got to say, you know, there was a lot of criticism of the way our president handled uh, the response to Hurricane Harvey. I got to tell you, and I know we've spoken about Dwayne Johnson's you know, potential political ambition. The way he spoke sounded like a man prepping for an office run. It sounded like a political speech, kind of. I mean, he if you saw that Instagram video on CNN or MSNBC, he sounds like a talking head who knows what he's saying. Uh, I thought it was really good. 
Yeah, really polished, and, and honestly, I hope we get a little bit more of that as we prep for a 2020 Dwayne Johnson candidacy. We can only hope. And uh, the last piece of news is actually a piece of fake news. Um, I got a text message from my mom earlier this week saying, did you know that Dwayne Johnson died? Is it really true? And I was freaking out. It worried me. And so the first thing I did was get online, get on Twitter uh, to check this out. Well, it turns out it was one of those fake news stories about Dwayne Johnson dying during a stunt in Fast and Furious shooting. Thank God it's not true, but this isn't the first time that this sort of hoax has been perpetrated out there. Thank goodness that it wasn't true. You know, if the crooked media would just do their jobs, Charlie, we wouldn't have to worry (laughs) about stuff like this. Seriously, we are too focused on other things, um, but we need to get out the fact every day that Dwayne Johnson is still alive. What we should do at NBC is every morning, the first thing on the Today Show is say, let's check in to see if Dwayne Johnson's alive today. (laughs) And it can be a recurring segment every day. And there could just be a a, a camera that's always running from his gym or his kitchen where we would either see him working out or or shoveling buckets of cod down his throat. (laughs) If you listen to our last little mini episode, you know this is a man that eats a ton of cod. And speaking of cod... Dwayne Johnson and Zac Efron look into something a little bit fishy in today's movie, Baywatch. Oh my god, I hate that. Yeah, well, you're all, you're welcome. You're all welcome for that that (laughs) transition line. Uh, Baywatch, the 2017 summer action comedy, came in with a budget of $69 It actually brought in a ton of money worldwide, uh, boxing over $176 But... Uh, as we as we saw, didn't do so well in the U.S., only grossing about $58 million. Uh, so a little bit of a disconnect uh, with the audiences there. It comes from the same writers as Freddy vs. Jason and the Friday the 13th remake, which I find pretty surprising because this movie... They I, are like, the opposite of yeah, this Yeah, this movie. was as far away from, from a horror film as, as humanly possible. Uh, and then, interestingly, this is the first feature film produced by Dwayne Johnson's production company, Seven Bucks Productions which I didn't even know was a thing. Is that is that like brand new? Is this like a... I mean, yeah, it's pretty new. Um, so he launched a YouTube channel when he announced that he had formed his own production company. And that happened sometime last year. Pretty much every working project that he has is a Seven Bucks Productions production. Got it. And so I, this movie, though, we, we mentioned how fiscally it didn't make a ton of money here in the United States. I guess that's got to be a reflection of the pretty poor critical reception for this film. Oh, absolutely. It's got an 18% on Rotten Tomatoes, which is only 1% higher than The Tooth Fairy. (laughs) And The Tooth Fairy suffered a lot from just laziness. And this one, they really were taking big swings and they failed spectacularly. Yeah, I will say, though, right off the bat, I think that this movie deserves better than an an 18 i think this is like i don't think that this is in the same ballpark as the tooth fairy it's it's definitely not a great film but i don't know i had moments of 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 real enjoyment watching this film i also you know conversely had moments of total uh just disgust and sadness watching it but still i thought there were moments where it was actually like a fairly entertaining movie at least i i thought there was effort i thought there was effort in this film we we can talk about it later but 
I think the Tooth Fairy almost falls in the category of so bad it's good. Mm. And this movie is so bad it's it's bad. <laughs> See, I don't know about that. I I I had more it. fun watching the Tooth Fairy than watching this movie. Oh, there were God. multiple times watching this movie that I yelled ah, or <laughs> no or why? Just a lot of a lot of groaning, a lot of groaning on your yes. end. Yes. Yeah. Audible groaning. Oh, well, we will get into it here and uh, folks, you'll be able to to think to see for yourself whether or not you think this was groan worthy or uh, a hidden gem perhaps. It's spoiler, it's not. It's not a hidden gem. Um but act 1, let's just get into it. It's time for Daddy to go to work. Daddy's got to go to work. Act 1. We find ourselves in Emerald Bay, Florida. Lieutenant Mitch Buchanan, played by Dwayne Johnson, and his team of lifeguards, which includes 2nd-in-command Stephanie Holden, played by Ilfanesh Hadera, and veteran C.J. Parker, played by Kelly Rohrbach, they protect the beaches and the bay as part of an elite division known as Baywatch. Now, having made over 500 rescues in his career, Mitch is beloved by the community. During one of his morning patrols, he discovers a small pouch of drugs washed up near the Huntley Club, which is now under the ownership of businesswoman Victoria Leeds, played by Priyanka Chopra. Now, flash forward, we're at the upcoming tryouts for new lifeguards for Baywatch. There are three notable standouts. Surfer Summer Quinn, played by Alexander Daddario. Ronnie, played by John Bass, who's a chubby nerd with a crush on CJ. And Matt Brody, played by Zac Efron, a disgraced former Olympian that joins Baywatch as part of a plea deal. Now, Quinn and Ronnie both pass the trials, but Brody refuses to do so, insisting that his Olympic status alone entitles him to a place on the team. Now, despite Brody demonstrating his abilities by assisting in a rescue of a drowning woman and her son, Mitch complains to Thorpe, who is the head of Baywatch, that he is unfit as a team player. Thorpe, in turn, insists that rehabilitating Brody's image is necessary to convince the city not to further cut funding for Baywatch. So that's where we find ourselves. We've, we've, we've kind of introduced the first conflict. There's this drugs uh, on the beach near Victoria Leeds Club. And we also meet our, our major players, CJ, Ronnie, uh, Matt Brody, Mitch Buchanan, and Stephanie. What do you think of The Rock's character? Number one. There is no way somebody that looks like The Rock is named Mitch Buchanan. <laughs> There's no way. No way. It's, it's, it's probably the whitest name I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> and I know it's the same name as David Hasselhoff's character, so they thought they needed to bring it back. There's nobody out there that looks less like a Mitch Buchanan than The Rock. And why name him after Mitch Buchanan if we're going to get, which you, we'll get to later, but we get a cameo from the... Yeah, v. we do get a David Hasselhoff cameo. There are worlds colliding. Like, I was um, very confused as to what universe this existed in. But I I have to believe we it's We can the jump ahead same. to it. Because it is sort of a central issue that I have with this movie. Is that they don't establish any sort of timeline. It sort of just exists, this movie. But they hint that David Hasselhoff's Mitch Buchanan handed off the reins to The Rock's Mitch Buchanan. Right. To take over Baywatch at some point in the past. So are we to believe that there are two of them? Right. And, uh, well, I kind of thought that this was just, you. like, I thought it was sort of you had to be named Mitch Buchanan. Like, that's kind of what <laughs> I got from this. Like, like, I imagine that in order to take control of Baywatch, you have to be a, a jack dude named Mitch Buchanan. That's, that's literally what I got from this movie. 
Maybe. I mean, there's that whole theory that the reason why there are so many different people that play James Bond is that James Bond is a code name. Oh, my God. So maybe Mitch Buchanan is a code name for the head of Baywatch. <laughs> also, speaking of code names for head of Baywatch, why is he a lieutenant? <laughs> what, lieutenant of what? Like, they, they keep calling him lieutenant. He keeps insisting on being called lieutenant. It's like, crazy. When uh, Zach Efron becomes the head of Baywatch later on in the movie, he they call him lieutenant whatever his name is. Yeah, they well, like... Like uh, Lieutenant Brody, all of a sudden. Yeah, Lieutenant Brody. I guess he never becomes Mitch Buchanan. So the code name theories out out the door. But so weird. And what do you think of the rest of the team here? We 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 we're looking at two or three, I guess, like very stereotypical like Baywatch women. I will say that this movie looks good. It's very colorful, and the people in it are gorgeous. Yeah, there was a lot of uh, beauty in this movie. A lot of piercing blue eyes. Uh, I agree. I th- I have to say, I thought this movie was beautifully shot. With when you know, mm. when you don't look at the like the the frequent genital jokes and references <laughs> and imagery, like I thought that everything on the beach was gorgeous. I thought that the music was gorgeous. Like to me, this played out like a less artsy Spring Breakers the way it looked. Hmm. I I don't agree with you. The stuff that they shot on location looks nice, but. Everything else was shot on green screen. And you'll see at the end of the movie because they include a gag reel during the credits, which is the sign of a bad movie. But even just the scenes where The Rock and Zac Efron are talking to each other, uh, it's on green screen. That's true. When That's, it doesn't need to there be. Was, I will say that the CGI is so noticeable. It's like whenever it's like, bad. Like that, take, that will take me right out of the film. Uh, and it happens frequently. Like... It's Batman Forever bad. Oh yeah, no, it's 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 real obvious, uh, real uncomfortable, and it would I couldn't have been that hard to just shoot at a beach for most of this. Like I don't know why so much of it had to be done in a set. Um, right. So this movie um, has been a development hell for over ten years. It was announced in two thousand four, and that's where that CGI belongs. Yeah, I, I completely agree. You are absolutely right. This is this is this movie. It, the the CGI felt like Scorpion King esque in in the the just like gnarliness of it all. I want to talk for a minute about John Bass's character, who I imagine is he's kind of the comic relief, but a lot of the everyone comedy, is the comic relief. Yeah, like this like movie. the com the comedy falls on everyone's shoulders, but. I don't, you know, then like if if that's the if that's true, that I don't know why his character is necessarily here. That being said, I did find him more amusing as the movie got on. Uh, yeah, I really we're introduced to him uh, by way of a terrible scene by which he gets his genitals stuck in a like a beach in a chair, beach chair. Oh. and it's just terrible. It's just a terrible like six minute scene. But I have to say, the craziest thing about that is when he's got. His wiener stuck in this chair. Uh, CJ's over uh, trying to help him out. And Mitch comes over. And she, like, uses her hands to signal to him that John Bass's character has his wiener stuck in this chair. So, apparently this has happened before because this is a very specific hand signal. Yeah, this is, they, they were totally choreographed on, on the wiener in chair lifeguard lingo. I guess that's in the handbook. But I will say his character to me got funnier as the movie went on. 
he definitely gave it every last ounce of his acting chops. He put it all on the line for Baywatch. Yeah, he's definitely a ham. Um, he's done some work on Broadway, I think most notably in Book of Mormon. And you can kind of see some of that shining through. He did everything he was asked to do in this movie, and he did it well. I didn't. It wasn't cheesy. A lot of The Rock's lines and a lot of Zac Efron's lines seemed cheesy to me, or just bad improv. John Bass was not one of those. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely agree. But And speaking of, of some pretty like canned language can we listen to the speech that Dwayne Johnson gives right as he's like announcing the tryouts of this like I guess I guess everyone in Florida knows about the Baywatch tryouts because there's like 400 people it looks like a tough there's a tough so mother. many people there to watch people try out to be a lifeguard like a job interview more or less and then they also apparently have like an entire American gladiator set like it's like American Ninja Warrior yeah that's yeah the American Ninja Warrior like this is like slash so strongest man, yeah, world strongest man. They just casually had like barbells made of refrigerators, just there, just waiting for someone to lift. Um, but let's you know beach stuff, <laughs> just hanging at the ocean. Um, but let's let's give a listen because he gives a pretty a pretty intense uh, speech that should let you know how serious these folks take the uh, Baywatch lifeguard team. All right, welcome everybody. You know, Baywatch proudly accepts only one new recruit every year. But the good news for you is that this year we've got three open spots. Now, without further ado, I'd like to turn it over to the man who has 500 career saves. Give it up for Lieutenant Mitch Buchanan. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Baywatch is the elite of the elite. Our team's commitment to protecting the Bay at all costs is the reason why the single mom behind me feels very comfortable letting her two kids run right into the water unaccompanied. Thanks, Mitch. That's right, and Baywatch works because we follow rules. We follow rules because if we don't, people die. You work in an office and you doze up at your desk one day, no big deal. You slack off here, say it with me. People die. So here's the thing, if you've come to Baywatch on your little motorcycle, thinking you're cool, trying to work on your killer tan, well, you need to find another beach to go to. But if you've come to sacrifice for something much bigger than yourself, well, this is the beach for you. But you're gonna have to get through this first. Okay, so so Charlie, what do you think about that? What do you think about that little, uh, little spiel? I really like the joke about um, the single mom just letting her kids wander into the water. Uh, I thought that was good. That was a nice line delivered by uh, the rockster. The background music does not help. It's like this inspirational type m- music straight from Gridiron Game. <laughs> <laughs> but it's underscoring all these jokes, and they're not letting anything breathe. The pacing in this movie is a little bit bizarre. Yeah, and and that honestly is a, is a pretty good segue into Act 2 where, where this movie really just goes off the rails. Uh, if, if, you, if you thought you knew where this movie was headed uh, up through tryouts, guess again. Uh, because Act 2 starts with immediately the Baywatch team being called into action when a private yacht catches fire. Uh, Brody disobeys orders and dives directly under the flames, trying to save the, the ind- individuals on the boat, causing him to nearly drown before Holden and CJ save him. Now, while most of the boat's occupants are saved, there is a single city councilman 
uh, who is deceased on the boat. Uh, Brody confronts Mitch, telling him, hey, you know, look, we're just lifeguards. We shouldn't be trying to usurp the police and the authorities trying to solve these murders, uh, which does not go well with Mitch, who is of the opinion that lifeguards are the sole inhabitors of justice uh, at the bay. Brody, at this point, he's, he's effectively broken homeless for, I guess, as as most disgraced Olympians might be. He goes to Mitch the next morning, begging, begging for a second chance. Mitch agrees and takes him and Quinn to infiltrate the city morgue, where they find two of Leeds' men planning a falsified autopsy report as a murder cover-up of the city councilman. In the ensuing chase scene, uh, Mitch and company, they lose all of their evidence, uh, which they then go to Thorpe and say, you know, look, we, we've discovered evidence of this, this huge conspiracy, but we don't have any, uh, any evidence. Thorpe threatens to fire Mitch if he over, oversteps his authority again, leading immediately to Mitch and Brody going undercover and sneaking into the Huntley kitchen, where they witness Leeds workers retrieving the drugs from barrels of fish and processing them. They contact Ellerby, uh, who is the police officer, of, uh, I guess, the only police officer in this town, only to learn that another body has been found on the beach. Thorpe, enraged that Mitch again deserted his post, fires him, naming Brody as the new lieutenant of Baywatch. Brody accepts the job, albeit reluctantly, and Mitch takes the job instead as a cell phone salesman. So, like, holy cow, this movie just, like, went all over the place in Act 2. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot. They sort of just jump from scene to scene to scene. First of all, you're right. There's only one police officer in this entire town. <laughs> he Right? He must be. We don't see, even when they're in the police station, we never see any other police officer. It's literally this one guy, Ellerby. Not at all. Um, they talk about how, even though they're just lifeguards, they can investigate this murder better than the police can. More or less, they don't trust the police at all. That's that's true. The, the police are given zero uh credibility or, or things to do in this film even at the crime scene mitch buchanan is like trying to like take down a report he's like deceased male 35 burn wounds yeah. it's like what are you doing sir he's well he is a lieutenant you know <laughs> that's that's somehow military beach lieutenant one of my favorite things in this movie actually are all the names that mitch calls brody and I wrote, I think I got all of them down. I'm just going to go through the list here. High School Musical, Perfect. One Direction, NSYNC, Gold Medals, Jonas Brother, Malibu Ken, Pool Boy, McDreamy, Princess, Bieber, and Little Boy. <laughs> that, I, I got to say, the relationship between Dwayne Johnson and Zac Efron cracked me up. I don't like. Yeah, if this was more of a bromance type movie, it, it would have been more focused and better. Like the, I could have seen this as a 21 Jump Street type of a thing. Like, I think this movie... Yeah, I think that's what they were going for. They saw the success of 21 Jump Street and Neighbors and sort of tried to recreate that. But they, I don't really think they got Yo, that. So speaking of Neighbors, that was the first movie I ever saw where Zac Efron was, was ripped. But, but in this movie, Zac Efron is ripped. Like, yeah. like oh my God, ripped. Like, more... It looks unsettling. His abs like stick out like six inches away from his body. Like it's is they're angular. Yes, and and I think I don't know. Maybe you'll agree with me. I have to say this is the first movie that I've seen where a co-star outshines Dwayne Johnson as far as physicality is concerned. His physique is better than Dwayne Johnson's. This movie. Oftentimes you see Dwayne Johnson with his shirt on, like this little 
Under Armour tank top situation. Not terribly unlike our own tank tops. Um, <laughs> very, but you're right. Yeah, very, uh, very but much Zac like <laughs> I have to say, one of my favorite moments in this entire movie is when Mitch opens up the door to his place and you see what he wears when he's not on duty at Baywatch. And he's wearing this Tommy Bahama shirt that I'm pretty sure my father has. Right, no, just gi- giant, silky, tropical shirt. Did you notice that? Yeah, well, his... I am, I have to say, I'm fascinated by the character of Mitch Buchanan in this movie. He's a mystery to me. Like, he has a fish tank with himself as a little thing in his, like, his, I want a movie. I could have spent 45 minutes going around his house. He had, like, radios set up, like, different, like, radios around the place. Like, I guess in case, no matter what room he's in, if there's a beach emergency, I guess that, you know, you don't just get 500 saves by sitting around doing nothing. Um, But, like, this guy's character, total enigma. What's his background? Honestly, I could have watched the entire movie, just him running around on the beach talking to people. I mean, everyone knows who he is. At one point, he like runs onto a basketball court and blocks some guy's dunk. Oh, yeah. And they're all, but they were all like cool with it. And they were like, that dude yeah. saved my sister's life. Like, they were all totally okay with it. Like, you know, when you have 500. Right. That's a, a that's a ton. That's a ton of saves. Also, we got to talk about this this fire. I know, like, we kind of just, I've, we kind of rushed through the plot in this act. There's so many different things. Like, when this yacht catches fire uh, and we and the city council member dies. And the city council member is played, I don't even know his name, but it's the guy that plays Oscar in The Office, which is just, like, a very odd, yeah. like, casting choice. I don't, I don't like seeing him. So recognizable. Yeah, immediately, immediately. It's like if they got... Dwight Schrute to play <laughs> the city councilman. Um, but so this yacht fire and, it, you know, it's essentially it's part of the thing with Leeds. Leeds is like like she planted this fire to kill the councilman, to, I guess, get them off the trail of the drugs. It's a lot. You know, it's a lot of different things to make it look like an accident. But what like this fire scene, I felt went on like 15 minutes too long. And I get that it's a pivotal it plot, like it's a pivotal plot point in theory, but it was so terribly done, and the CGI was so just god awful. And also, this is yeah, something that everything w- was just had a sheen to it, that weird CGI fakeness. Yes, everything had like that, yeah, like a Godzilla glimmer to it. Um, but this is a this is a note that I know we had here. Every time a character is swimming underwater, their eyes are wide open, wide open. <laughs> To an extent that I sent you a text message, because like I said, I'm not really a beach person so much, uh, <laughs> asking you, can you open your eyes in salt water? Yeah, I appreciated you checking in with me on like the physics of beaches. Uh, but the answer, <laughs> I mean, is for at least me, is no, because I don't like just burning my eye sockets out. But I, well, during the tryouts, everyone's wearing goggles. Yeah, as they but should. Apparently, once you make the team. No more goggle usage. As many times as they try in this movie, you'll never make riding on a four-wheeler look cool. Dwayne Johnson does it like three times in this movie, and you just look like a dork. Yeah, it's it's not a good look. But but alternative, alternative, alternatively, what did you think of, of uh, Zac Efron riding the motorcycle off the pier? I thought that was really cool. The only thing that kind of took me out of it is they did the weird CGI face swap. It didn't. It didn't look real at all. 
in this movie and it sort of took me out of it but the stunt itself is kind of cool yeah i agree I th- again you know the cgi is just god awful and that editing was no exception but i had to say like that entire sequence where he grabs his bike and run and drives through the crowd of people this is still fairly early on in the movie and i thought that this i thought it was a very promising sign like i was actually pretty excited upon seeing that that we were going to get a lot of pretty cool stunt work uh which we just we just yeah don't. you get like there was maybe a few moments you get that and you get the jet ski chase. That was okay. But then oftentimes you'll see Dwayne Johnson with Zac Efron on one jet ski. And they only shoot them from like chest up because it's all green screen. Yeah, just it's weird, weird choice. Very weird choice. Um, also, in the morgue, where which is just, again, <sighs> Do we, we have, have to, to talk, talk about, about this freaking morgue, dude. Uh so they're checking out, they're trying to find the body of the city councilman who's been burned in the boat. It might surprise you to find out that the only nudity in a Baywatch revamp is full frontal male nudity of the dead council of Oscar. Oscar's yeah. Oscar's penis is in this movie. Uh, it's so awkward. Like, and Dwayne Johnson tricks Zac Efron's character into like touching it oh yeah well the word he uses the word taint about six or seven times the word taint is used yes but then Dwayne Johnson takes pictures of Zac Efron doing that and says I'm gonna post them online it's so weird is a crime no it's it's such a crime first of all you shouldn't be in a morgue tampering with a body second if you're if you're gonna be in a morgue they're defiling a dead body like somebody loves this man somebody loves this city council he has children you know, like he's got family, um, but that's like, that's what this movie, like it kills me because I, I think, you know, I think I probably more than you, I genuinely did laugh multiple times in this movie, but scenes like this, which go on forever, were just so heinously bad that it, it offsets like any progress this movie could have even conceivably made because you're just so disgusted and it's just so unfunny it's really hard to redeem itself. I don't know. I, I had a real problem with with moments like this that just go on for like six minutes at a time of just kind of gross out humor and just dick jokes. Yeah. It's just really weird. So in Act 3, Ronnie, upon recognizing that the victim that washed up on the beach is his friend Dave, who is played by Hannibal Burris and is criminally underused in this film, he then helps Brody hack into lead servers, revealing her plan to privatize the entire beach by systematically buying out or eliminating every competing business owner in the area. So the Baywatch team infiltrates one of Leeds' private parties on her personal yacht, discovering how she's been using the hull of the boat to smuggle the drugs. Brody is captured, and a gloating Leeds revealed that she bribed the corrupt Thorpe to set Mitch up, just so he could justify firing him. She pushes Brody overboard, trying to drown him, and moments before it's too late, Mitch appears underwater, eyes wide open, and saves him. The two catch up to Leeds, while Ronnie and CJ use fireworks to prevent her escape helicopter from landing. Just as they run out of fireworks, a wounded Mitch uses a Roman candle to blow Leeds up, saving Brody once again. Police officer Ellerby arrives and takes Thorpe and Leeds' henchmen into custody. In the aftermath, Ronnie and Brody begin relationships with CJ and Quinn, respectively. Mitch, having been reinstated as lieutenant, formally inducts Quinn, Ronnie, and Brody into the Baywatch team and introduces them to their new captain, Casey Jean, a cameo by Pamela Anderson. So I don't even, I honestly, God, don't even know where to begin because it's not like I can 
easily ask you to try and summarize what I just said there. <laughs> so explain to me what the bad guy's plot is in this movie. I I believe now I I believe that Leeds is a concerned with trying to eliminate any other business competition in the area so that she can own the beach. And I believe that the reason for her doing that is because she wants to have a drug trade on the beach or something like, like, I don't know where the it's drugs clear. It's her. Yeah. Like, 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 I kind of thought maybe she was using the drug money to buy out everyone on the beach so she could make it private. But then, so why is she like, but you're right. If she had the beach all to herself, she could smuggle drugs. Like I could, I, for the easier. life of me could not figure out what her, problem was even that this movie tries so hard to make her the bad guy and she is you know she, by, by killing all these people but i can't tell what her you never see her do anything bad until the that's end. true it's mostly the henchmen it's almost like a bond villain to the point where she says i'm like a bond <laughs> villain pretty on the nose uh this baywatch movie but i guess my my question is like she just wants to privatize the beach like she's pretty much just a capitalist why is she murdering people, people and why seemed, is she dealing drugs also? What is that? Why? People seemed more upset with the fact that she was going to close the beach and make it private than the fact that there were these drugs washing up on shore, getting into the hands of children. Oh, yeah, yeah. We literally find out that there's drugs when this, like, four-year-old uh, is just hanging out with little packet of mysterious white drugs. What do they call it? Like, flaca? They call it like yeah. They call it flaca, and I think Dwayne Johnson said that was it like crack mixed with bath salts or something like that. <laughs> Which again, like they have to make up a fake drug. Right? Why, why make it up? That? Why not just make it cocaine? And, and why? Like we also never. It's like it's never as if we saw people using the drugs, or we never even saw evidence no. that it really was like a successful drug. Like, the only people that ever had it were the were the two girls on the burning yacht with the council member. Like, no one is ever, like, needing these drugs or trying to get the drugs. Like, they could have, you know, they just, I don't, like, to me, the drug angle was was completely confusing. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure if they thought that they would offend people if they put real drugs and real drug usage in this movie. When Zac Efron and Dwayne Johnson go and infiltrate Leeds' yacht, Zac Efron is dressed <laughs> like a woman. That's, I forgot about that. <laughs> with like makeup on as if a man dressed as a woman is the height of comedy right There's, and it's just they're like making jokes about like like give me a kiss or like just weird crap like that this movie has all At kinds of point, uncomfortable like uncomfortable with gay people uncomfortable with women like yes. this movie was very didn't know whether it wanted to be sensitive or insensitive to like any marginalized group of people if this movie was made 30 years ago, it might have been passable. Like, you may have given them a break. But this movie came out Memorial Day. Ugh. And and so, this also is the moment. So, in Act 3, we get cameos from both David Hasselhoff, and then at the very end, we get Pamela Anderson. Uh, and notably, when, when we see David Hasselhoff, that's when they use the, the Baywatch song, right? That's when that, like, the moment that the theme yeah. is used, like... And that was something that, and like again, you texted me during the movie. Like, how come you know they uh, they apparently had the rights to every other freaking song in the world because they had like license track after license track after license track. Why not use your Baywatch song 
more. Like that's your money. That's your money yeah. maker. Use the Baywatch theme. That's what we're here to see. Right. Why not take the melody from the Baywatch theme and make a score that sort of interlaces the whole movie and you use that same melody over and over. They could have done that and it would have been a a, a slicker production, but there was a total missed opportunity. People know that song. They love it. Why not blast that at, at every opportunity? Also, so when 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 Mitch gets fired from Baywatch, he becomes effectively like a like a Verizon salesperson, sprint. a Sprint salesperson. First of all, I thought it, I just thought it was funny that that's like this guy is so larger than life on the beat. Like I actually thought it was hilarious that that was like the job that he was going to be was going to be like a, a phone salesman. But why doesn't he just keep doing what he's doing? Why like like right. why you don't have to be a lifeguard to to like solve this murder mystery or crime like he was breaking <laughs> the rules as a lifeguard investigating these murders and as soon as he gets fired from a lifeguard, don't you think he, that would just give him more time to investigate? <laughs> like he completely drops like that's it. That's your perfect scenario. You get to do whatever you want. You could still work with your team. At one point, Leeds shoots Dwayne Johnson's character as Zac Efron watches. And the thing that Zac Efron says is, he's dead because of you. (laughs) It's so stupid. You just saw that. It's so stupid. Like, Zac Efron's character, I can't tell if he just does this in every movie he's in. But he plays these characters so dumb. Like, he just plays it so stupid. Well, there are other parts in the movie where they played it, his sort of stupidity as humor. This was just bad screenwriting. I don't think this was supposed to be him being dumb. You're right. And, and because, especially because at the beginning, you know, we're not led like he's... he. There's no reason for this character to be dumb. He seems kind of troubled. Uh, you know, he has this whole like Olympic backstory where he throws up in a pool or it's, it's just stupid, but you know, there's no reason that he's a dummy, but as this movie goes on, he gets more and more idiotic. Um, yeah. Is he supposed to be Ryan Lochte? Uh, yeah, it's the parallel is, is, is definitely there. Disgraced Olympian, beautiful idiot. Yeah. That's, it had to be what they went for. Um, the parallels are pretty close. Now, I will say this very this this final scene where where we see Dwayne Johnson get shot, it does lead. He comes back from seemingly death uh, and delivers what I have to say is the the monologue of the movie and probably my favorite line in the entire film. So I definitely want can we let's let's give that a listen because it's actually it's actually pretty fun and, and pretty classic Dwayne Johnson. Time to die, boys. No! I was born of the sea. I eat fire coral and I piss salt water. I scratch my back with a whale's dick. And I loop up my chest with his ball sack. (laughs) I'll die when the tide stops and the moon drowns. Until then... Oh, go, baby. I'm oceanic, motherfucker. How attacking me. All right, so I love, I ha- I love that monologue. I love it. I think that's one of the best moments of the film. I think it's probably Dwayne Johnson's highlight uh, of this movie. Uh, 
Besides the Tommy Bahamas. Oh, well, yes. Yeah. Well, besides his, his fashion. Um, I don't know. I thought it was hysterical. I wish the whole movie was like that. Yeah. Or at least they would be able to lean into it. Almost make it like a super bad sort of brand of comedy. Rather than get goofy for like 10 minutes and then go right back to being serious. Um, I like it when he said he was born unto the sea. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what it means to say I'm oceanic. I will, I'm I'm all in on it. That to me is the Dwayne Johnson this movie needed, uh, and it's too bad we only got 25 seconds of it. And with that, let's give our final thoughts on Baywatch. Charlie, what'd you think? Hit or miss? You know this movie kind of tried sometimes. It took big swings when it came to jokes. There was a few that landed, but by and large, it was sort of a lowest common denominator type of movie. Um, and if this is how Seven Bucks Productions is going to make movies here forward, the future of Dwayne Johnson movies, it's looking kind of rough. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree. I think that this movie, uh, I think it strived to be somewhere in between Neighbors and, and Jump Street, but just didn't really hit the mark on either of them. Um, I think in the future, if, you know, if like if if the trailers for Jumanji are any indication I think we're going to end up getting a very similar movie, uh, which is a shame. I really think that they need to lean in either to the stunts or the over-the-top one-liners, the the kind of tongue-in-cheek cheekiness to the whole thing. Like you, you can't have a Dwayne Johnson movie where he goes back and forth between playing it straight and then trying to go over the top. You need it to to hit one way or the other, and this movie just didn't really do that. So, yeah. Charlie, ranking-wise, how many how many lives does this movie save for you? <laughs> On a scale of 1 to 500. Um, So I kind of go back and forth and not going back and forth between whether it's a good movie or a bad movie. It's definitely a bad movie. My decision here is whether or not to put it above Tooth Fairy or to put it below Tooth Fairy as the worst movie that we've watched for the podcast. Wow. And I'm going to go ahead and slot it below the Tooth Fairy. Harsh words from Charlie Guile. So I think I'm going to give it, on a scale of 500, about a 100. Ooh. 100 lives. <laughs> Not Mitch Buchanan status at all. Um, I, I, I enjoyed this movie a little bit more. Um, I did not think it was a good movie by any stretch of the imagination. But had I come across this movie at 1.30 a.m., and I needed something to do on a Friday night. I would watch it and I would laugh and I would forget about it a day later. But I think that's where this movie shines. I think that this is a forgettable summer movie. Um, so I slightly enjoy I would say I would definitely rank it higher than Tooth Fairy. Um, as far as the movies we've watched, I would say this is uh, second worst um, right before Tooth Fairy. Um, and as far as how many lives it would save, I would actually give it 195 lives. I think it almost comes close to being enjoyably dumb, but really doesn't make it make it past that threshold. And finally, it's time for our final test of the show, Franchise Viagra. Franchise Viagra. <laughs> the Franchise Viagra test, as always, is broken up into three categories, hard work, charisma, and physique. Test one. Hard work. Honestly, I kind of felt like The Rock was sort of mailing this one in, which is rare for a modern rock movie. It seems like they let these actors ad-lib a lot, but they weren't great ad-libbers. So for me, that fails that 
first part of the test. Second, charisma. Sure, he's got it sometimes. I love the opening scene where he's running around and interacting with people on the beach to show like his local celebrity. So in moments like that, he really shines. So part two passes. Physique. This is a uh, this is Baywatch. You expect to see the Rock with the shirt off, the Rock running around, getting all sweaty, really flashing that bod. But the one problem I have is that Zac Efron outshines him every step of the way. I think he fails in that tenet of the franchise Viagra test. So overall, I would say no. I wouldn't want to see a sequel. But it's not up to me because they're already working on a sequel. Oh, God. This movie does not need a sequel. I completely uh, could not agree with you more, Charlie. Uh, the Rock does not pass the franchise Viagra test. In nearly every single scene, he's outshone by someone else which is, like you said, really atypical for a Dwayne Johnson film. This, I mean, easily, even John Bass is funnier in half of the moments in this movie, uh, which is pretty insane. And while The Rock does have his moments, I like the monologue at the end. I do love that scene you mentioned where he's running at the beginning. He just does not have what it takes to inspire a sequel. So I think it is a terrible move to make Baywatch 2. And if it did bad in the U.S. this time around, I am... You know, really scared to see how it does the second time because I do not imagine it gets any better, folks. And with that, we are just about wrapped up here at Rock Talk. And thank you for listening. Again, this is episode 10. So thanks for sticking around for Rock Talk for 10 episodes. That's awesome. You guys are great. As always, please, if you want, if you love the show, review us on iTunes. It's the best way you can help Rock Talk. And like us on Facebook and Twitter. Let us know what you thought of Baywatch. Uh, you heard us. We think it's pretty stanky. Uh, but give us your take and join the discussion online. Until next time, this is Rock Talk. Some people stand in the dark.